This is the FVCG Live Podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. The Lord never intended for us to look to humans to fulfill our needs. Instead, we need to lean on Him and His Word. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. Once you open your Bibles with me, here's a familiar passage that I want to spend some time on today. Psalm 27, the 27th Psalm. And I want to read these first uh, six verses to you very quickly, uh, beginning at verse number one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing, have, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I, I want to title this message today from this 27th Psalm, The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. In 1970, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel, some of you young people won't know who they were, they, who they are. They are uh, impacting songwriters and singers back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, but in 1970, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel Funkel penned this song, a bridge, over, a bridge Over Troubled Water. It was a song that has been recorded by many other artists, including Elvis Presley and Aretha Franklin and so many others. It is a song written during the turbulent times of the late 60s, 1960s, after the death of Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy, during the height of the Vietnam War, the racial tensions, riots. Richard Nixon was the president. Paul Simon wanted to bring solace to a deeply troubled nation. So he wrote the words to the song and had in mind his partner in music, Art Garfinkel, Funkel, whatever his name is, singing it. It speaks of a person who promises to be a help to their friend during uncertain times. That's what the song is about. It is, it is a declaration that in your troubled times, if you're feeling low and down, he says, I'll be there for you. That's, that's what the song is about. While Paul's offer, while Garfunkel, Paul Simon's offer was genuine and good, and Art Garfunkel sung it, there is just so much that a human person can do in times of challenges and problems. It's just, it's just a limit, but I want to suggest and declare to you that there's a limit to what a human can do, but there is, in fact, and I want to declare and suggest to you that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother 
And that friend has the power and the ability to be a bridge over all types of water at all times. And that's what I want to talk about today as we come to the end of 2020. This is the last Sunday in this 2020 year. It's the last Sunday. It's the last opportunity we have in a, uh, on a Sunday to celebrate the goodness of God, the glory of God. We are, in fact, on this last Sunday coming through the end of a year that's been turbulent and challenging and problematic and it's been all hell. It's been it's been difficult. Uh, Racial tensions in our countries are still raging. Uh, The pandemic has taken the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. Businesses are closed by the thousands People have lost their lives, their jobs, their careers. Hospitals are overwhelmed with sick people. Some are, uh, the ICU units are over flooded and they can't take any more people around this nation. Funeral homes are struggling to keep up with burying those who have died. The present political landscape in our country is deeply, deeply troubling and concerning. What do you do when you don't know what to do in these circumstances? What do you say when you don't know what to say? While this pandemic is roaring on and people are scared and horrified about their future, we're asking ourselves the question, when when will this thing end? When will the world go back to normal? The president is, people are waiting for the president to sign the bill to offer a relief package to people. Uh, and the president, while he's uh, in Florida, swinging his golf clubs and, and relaxing in his resort and in his residence in Florida, people are struggling to know what, what's going to happen with their future. Well, the challenge we are facing, these are troubling water saints. These are difficult times and difficult days. And I thought for a few moments I ought to just talk to you about this. I want to give you a word today that was helpful for me and I believe it'll be helpful for you. As a matter of fact, I want to speak clearly at the outset, right at the very top, that God never desires for us to look to humans to meet our needs. Don't wait on the president to sign a bill. The God that we serve is greater than the president. He's able to supply your needs and meet your needs and do for you whether the president signs the bill or not. I know there's a lot of a lot of to do about it, a lot of discussion, a lot of uh, on the news. That's all they talk about is, is he going to sign the bill? So much tension. But I want to I want to just peer off from what the news has to say, what CNN and ABC and NBC and CBS has to say. And I want to look to what. The scriptures has to say, because in fact, the scripture speaks to us and gives us a profound message. And I want I'm hoping that you can grab a hold of this and get this in your heart and get it down in your spirit. And I want to I want to take the words that the David wrote here in this 27th Psalm. This is a Psalm of David. And we need to see that David starts off in these first matter of fact, the first three verses of this 27th Psalm highlight that David himself uh, is facing and confronting a fearful situation. He doesn't tell us. We don't know exactly what it is. There's a lot of speculation about what he faced. There's a lot of of, uh, theologians who have surmised what his condition 
that drove him to write this 27th Psalm might be. There's a lot of debate about it. But the bottom line is he was facing something that sought to scare the hell out of him. I, don't, I, I can say that. I'm at my own church today. He, 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 he's facing something that was problematic and fearful. And here's what he says about that. He says, let me just read. Let me just start off by reading these first few verses because I think it's profound and powerful. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love that right there. He right off the bat says, we're not going to be governed by fear. It's important for you and I to know that God never wants us to be controlled by fear. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's the one that speaks and gives me hopes and direction. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And the Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my everyday existence, my everyday being, everything about me. The Lord is the strength of that. Of whom shall I be afraid? As a matter of fact, he goes on and says this. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Even though every, something might try to attack your body and people might try to attack your body and sickness might try to attack your body and all kind of stuff might, might, might try to rise up and people and things might try to take you out. But he says, instead of me falling, they fell. That's the confidence we have to have. We serve a God that will not allow anything to occur or happen to us before our time. He says, he says, though, verse three, though an army man camp against me, my heart shall not fear. We are not to be governed by fear. I try to preach that to, to you all every time I get an opportunity. We are not governed or controlled or, 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 or we don't live by fear. We don't make decisions out of fear. We don't make determinations for our life based on fear. He says, even though a, an army may an army man camp against me, if it's a whole bunch of people coming against me, my heart shall not fear. And though war may rise against me in this, I will be confident. Even though war has been declared against me and whether you know it or not, the enemy has declared a war against you. When you are a child of God and you are sold out to him, don't be shocked or surprised when the enemy himself finds himself declaring war against you. And you know why he declares war against you? Because you represent a threat to his kingdom. You represent a defeat of his kingdom. That's what we are. We are the army of God. We are the army of the living God. And the devil does not want to see you nor I get to the place that God has assigned us for our destiny. He wants to do everything he can to keep you from getting to the place of hope and to the place of faith and to a place of confidence in God. But I like what I like what David says. says he says, even though uh, war may rise up against me, here is something I will be confident in. And I like what he says. Here's where I'm confident. And one thing that I have desired of the Lord, and this is what I will seek. I love this right here. This is profound and powerful. He says, matter of fact, this brings me to my first point here today. I'm just, I'm just giving you the introduction in the fear thing. That's, that's not my message. That's just my intro to tell you we're not governed by fear. We've told you that a hundred thousand times. So I've told you that already. But here, we, here he says, he says, one thing I've desired of the Lord. Here's the one thing I want to do. He says, and this is what I'm seeking after. Here it is, point one, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Here's how, here's, here's my bridge. Here is the bridge over troubled water. 
He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And for the longest time, many of us have surmised that that meant hanging out in church. I've heard people preach and declare that that this I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life had to deal with being at church. The problem is we haven't been in church in nine months. And so if he's referring here today to being in a physical location, we are in trouble. But I surmise and I suggest to you what he is talking about is not a physical location. I believe he's trying to tell us something else. I believe what David is trying to get us to comprehend and understand is that dwelling in the house of the Lord is not a dwelling place. It's not a church building. He's talking about dwelling in the presence of God, the house of the Lord, the place where God is, the place where he abides. It is getting into the presence of God. I want to suggest this to you. This is important and profound and significant because the reality is that God is calling you and I and he wants us to have a heart that every day we want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Dwell. That means to hang out, stay there. See, so y'all make visits. We make occasional visits to the house of the Lord. We will enter into his presence occasionally. And what God is wanting us to do is to dwell, hang out there, live there, sleep there, wake up there in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God. That's what he's talking about. And guess what? You don't need a church building to get into the presence of God. And this is, in fact, where people miss the mark. And this is, in fact, the problem where people are struggling because they haven't learned to dwell in the house of the Lord, in the dwelling place of God. He wants us to dwell in his presence. When's the last time you've been in his presence, in his house, where he hangs out? It's the presence of God. When's the last time you entered his presence? Are you doing it on a daily basis? Do you meditate on his word and reflect on his word? Do you spend any time worshiping him? You don't have to be in church to worship him. You see, the problem is we have so many distractions and so many things pulling us away from and out of our communion with God. The spirit of God is crying out to us for us to live in a place of the presence of Almighty God. That's what he wants. He wants us. Here's what David says. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Every day. All the days. Not just one day a week. All the days. Every day. In the presence of God. And this is the point I'm trying to drive home to you. You, you want to have a bridge that will carry you over troubled waters. You have to dwell in the house of God. You have to dwell in his presence. That means getting in his word. That means spending some time worshiping him, singing to him, lifting your hands and glorifying him wherever you might be. As a lifestyle, I, I try to encourage and teach people that worship is a lifestyle. It's not something you do just on Sundays. It's a lifestyle. It's how you live your everyday life. It is a lifestyle. How is your life? In dwelling in the presence of God. I love this passage. One thing, and, and I, and I want to agree and join David in this request because this is my heart's desire. I wish I could tell you that I do this every day, but it's a challenge. So many distractions, so many things beckon for your attention. So many other things try to stress you out. 
All of us will find ourselves with stuff coming before our face and before our eyes and into the domain of our circumstances that seek to pull us away from the presence of God. And my encouragement today is to reexamine yourself and ask yourself, am I dwelling in the presence of God? Am I in his house? One thing have I desired, he says, and I love this right here. This is my heart that I that's what I that will I seek. That's what I will pursue. That I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And here's the deal. And this brings me to my second point. I'm not going to keep you long. I'm going to be finished in just a few moments. But just stick a pen right there. Hang there and examine yourself and make a commitment right today. What do I have to do? What do I have to do that I may seek to stay in the house of God? What do I have to do to stay in his presence? What, what, what distracts you? What discourages you? What frustrates you? Get it out of your life. Get it out of the way. And then here's the thing I love about being in the presence of God, because here's the second thing he says about this. And I love this right here in verse number four. Again, he says uh, to behold the beauty of the Lord. He, he see, see, here's the glory. His point too: to behold the beauty of the Lord, to see the beauty of God. I like this because when you dwell in the house of the Lord, what what one of the fruit of that is, you will behold the beauty of the Lord. You will behold the beauty of the Lord. What does that mean? I love this right here, because when you behold the beauty of God, it means you see God's hand moving no matter what the circumstances are around you. Regardless of what's happening in the world or in the country or in your community or in your state or in your city or even in your house. He gives you the capacity when you're in the presence of God, he gives you the capacity to behold that his hand is at work. See, I can tell when people have been in the presence of God. I can tell when they've been to the house of the Lord. I can tell because they are able to see things like see life in a different vantage point. Here's what I'm trying to tell you is when you when you're in the presence of God, he helps you to see the beauty of how all things do work together for your good. When you are in the house of the Lord, when you're dwelling in his presence, he helps you to see his hand is moving and orchestrating and that he's not finished doing what he's doing. He's he's moving the pieces around of the affairs of your life. And when you get to the end of the journey, when you get to where you're going, when you get to the destination, when you make it to the place, it will be a beautiful picture. When when an artist is drawing a a picture, it's not uh, the most beautiful thing while he's drawing it. It's like he's just sliding and paint all over the place or, or, or when a painter is painting or maybe the artist is drawing with his, his pen or whatever he uses is, uh, he's drawing but yet you don't see the glory of it all while he's doing it <laughs> God is doing a great thing and it looks messy right now it looks dirty right now but when you are in his presence he helps you to see the beauty of what he's working out mm. Man, that gives that makes me excited because I can look back over my life and see circumstances that I didn't know what God was doing. But I've been in his house. And when I got in his house, he helped me to see he's working all things together for my good. Romans 8, 28 is, in fact, is true. And we know that all things work together for good to those who are the called. 
He's working together for our good. Isaiah 61 makes the declaration. He gives you beauty for your ashes. In other words, you've got some ashes in your life. You've got some stuff that's been burned down and looks like you've lost some stuff. And if all you can see are the ashes, you will be devastated if all you can see is ashes. But he says, I'm going to take your ashes and give you beauty. That's what when you get in the presence of God, when you go into the house of the Lord, he empowers you to see the beauty in the midst of why you're sitting in the ashes. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Spirit today. I want somebody to get this in your heart and get this in your spirit. Lift up your head. Stop being frustrated. But recognize, yes, 2020 has been a, a, a challenging year. <laughs> I almost said something there I wasn't supposed to say. But I, 2020 has been tough and difficult. And challenging. But guess what? I see God moving and orchestrating and 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 moving certain things out the way and making changes. He's working it together. And when you get in his presence, he helps you to see his beauty, to behold the beauty of the Lord that he's working it out. And you know what I'm also persuaded with? I am persuaded that God does not allow anything into our lives that he doesn't already know about. It didn't catch him by surprise. COVID-19 didn't catch God by surprise. He didn't wake up and say, oh, my, what what in the world? No, no, no. He knew about it. And he says he's going to use it. Yes, it's been difficult and challenging, but he says, I'm orchestrating. I'm doing something. And when you come out of it, it's going to be amazing. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I need you to understand that God, when you get in the presence of God, this is the bridge over your troubled waters of your life. Don't get frustrated because your job closed down. It's all right. It means he got something better coming for you. Don't be, don't be upset. Don't be fearful. We, we, we shall not fear, the first part of this passage says. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to let what we see externally frustrate us or give us fear. We're going we're to get in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God. And when we get there, he will help us to see the beauty of his doings. Beauty of the Lord, the glory of God. I, I, I need to challenge you today that that's where I want to dwell, where I can always see the hand of God. And he wants you to see his hand. He's working together to, to behold the beauty of the Lord. But hold up, he didn't stop there. He says, not only, not only are we going to dwell in the house of the Lord and to behold the beauty of the Lord. I like this uh, 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 he says this number three. I'm almost finished. He says his point three is in verse four two. He says he says and to inquire in his temple. Here's the thing I love about God. He says when you get in my presence and you see my hand, it it of course is going to cause you to have some questions. And, and I know we got people who got questions, and I know you got some questions. But he says, I give you the liberty. Here's what's great about the God we serve. He gives us the freedom and the liberty to ask him questions, to inquire of the Lord. He says, I know there's some things you don't understand, but I'm going to make it plain to you. I'm going to go ahead. And, and there's a lot of you today. You got questions. Who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? What's going on? What's next? When will, when, where, where do we go and what do we do? And when is this pandemic going to be over? I know y'all got all kinds of questions. And the thing I love about God is he gives us the freedom to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask God your questions. Don't be afraid to 
uh, 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 appeal to God with your uncertainties. And I be, tell you, I'm, I'm 62 years of age. I've been preaching for 45 plus years and I still got questions. I wish I could tell you that I understood everything that goes on and I had all the answers. I wish I could tell you I had it all down. I had it all down. But that would be far from the truth. The reality of it is I still. Yes, I have questions and I have concerns and, and I don't know how everything's going to work out, but I do know who's going to work everything out. <laughs> As a matter of fact, here's what he also tells me. And I, I'm going to bring this to a close because he says because because he answers the questions when you inquire of him. He answers your questions right here in verse five. He says, for in the time of trouble. When you're in the middle of trouble, when the things are not going the way you want them to go, he says, when you are in the time of trouble, he says, I got an answer for you. He says, he shall hide me in his pavilion. <laughs> he says, I'm going to hide you in my, in my pavilion and in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. And guess what? He shall set me up upon a rock. Let me who let me just talk about that for a moment. And, and here's what's great about that, because I, I wonder where was God's pavilion and what was the secret place of his tabernacle? See, and, and, and when I researched it out, I found out that the pavilion was a covered place that's called like a hut. A little small hut. And and, and not only that. But uh, he says his tabernacle is a tent. It's, it's a, it represents the dwelling place of God. It's a tent. And somebody said, what's so excited about a hut and a tent? Here's what's excited about it. What's excited about God's hut is that when you get in his hut, his hut is greater than any earthly mansion you can be in. Any human made thing, it cannot compare with God's hut. God says, I'm going to hide you and I'm going to hide you in in my pavilion and in the secret place of my table, in the secret place of my tabernacle. I'm going to I'm going to hide you and cover you and I'm going to protect you. I like that. And then he said, and guess what? You know what's great about his hut and his tent? What's great about his hut and his tent is that they have rocks in them. There's a rock there. <laughs> he shall set me high upon a rock. Somebody say there's a rock there. Amen. Somebody said Jesus is a rock. His, a matter of fact, when you stand on his rock, uh, it goes on and says in verse six. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. He's going to set me high upon a rock, a stable place. You're not going to be unstable. You're not going to be instable. Whatever the word is, you ain't going to fall out. You ain't going to fall down. You're not going to fail. He says, I'm bringing you to my hut. And I'm going to put you in my tent. And when I get you in there, I'm going to set you up on the rock. I'm going to set you up on the rock. That's that's where my that's where the bridge over troubled waters is, is when you are standing on the rock and that rock will cause your head to be lifted up above your enemies. Your enemies thought they were standing over you, but instead God has got you standing over them. I'm giving God praise that the people who tried to hurt me, God made me victorious, and the people who are trying to hurt you, God's going to make you victorious. Hallelujah. And I want to challenge you today, and I want to say to you, I need a little amen right there. Da, da, da. I, I, got my, I got my thing. I, give me a little help right here. Hey, yeah, yeah. 
He's going to set me up upon a rock and I'm going to be and my head's going to be lifted up above my enemies. I'm giving God the praise. Uh, and therefore, it says right here in verse number six, I'm finished. I'm almost done. My head's lifted up uh, above all uh, uh, and lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I can offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. I can give him the glory. I can shout to him. I can give him the praise because I I know he has lifted me up. I know he has put me in his in his hut and in his tent. Thank God he has set me on a rock. I'm giving him the glory because he's hiding me. The devil can't hurt me. Nobody can harm me. He's hiding me. I've got the bridge over troubled waters. Yes, these are troubled days. Yes, it's been a troubling year. Yes, we've had challenging times. But guess what? God is taking us to his hut and putting us in his tent and setting us on his rock. And my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. We're going to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. See, the enemy thinks that he wins. But when he finds out that that rock is Jesus, when he finds out uh, that we're standing on the rock, Jesus himself, Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our stability. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is where we place our hope. And we're not fearful and we're not looking to man. We're not looking to the president. We're not looking to Congress. We're not looking to people or the banks. We're not looking to other people. Put your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Reach out to him. Because he's more than capable and able of providing you what you stand in the need of. He'll set you up upon a rock. That's the bridge over these troubled waters. And you know what the bridge does? It's carrying you from one dimension of a challenge into another, to a new dimension. We're about to enter into a new dimension. A new place. We're about to enter into a new season. I guess I got a word for you on the 31st. We, we're going to enter into the, to this new year with hope and aspirations while we're riding and standing on this rock. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. Somebody frustrated, down, depressed, uncertain, concerned. Let this 27th Psalm, these first six verses give you hope it gives me hope meditate on these the verses 4, 5 and 6 in particular and recognize and realize that God is at work you might not even see it but I guarantee you this when you get into the, when, you, when you dwell in the house of the Lord when you get in his house when you get in his presence he will open your eyes to see his hands at work his hand is at work to do a great thing, a marvelous thing, an incredible thing on your behalf. You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. The Lord will carry us from a troubled place to a new season. We will enter into this new season and year with hope and aspiration. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.